In a world where we're constantly told that men are from Mars and women are from Venus and never shall the two understand each other, I know there's another way. This is what happens when Venus and Mars unite. Tune in for conversations about masculine and feminine embodiment in ourselves and in the world around us, relationships, marriage, parenthood, love, purpose, dating, and everything in between. This is the Venus and Mars podcast, and I'm your host, Anya Shack. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to the Venus and Mars podcast. I am so excited for today's episode. It's one that has been a long time coming. And before we jump into it, I want to introduce my guest. This man is someone that, you know, you notice even before he speaks and you know that his heart is gold. He cares about people so much and he has this energy of just service and support. He makes you feel good. He makes you feel like you can be the best you. And then he opens his mouth and his words are profound and wise. This man helps tens of thousands of people find freedom in their skin. He's a game changer. He's no bullshit. He's a healer. And he's a man who has taught me everything I know about our topic today, which is the inner child and what that means. And so without further ado, Nick Tilia, hello. Wow. That's literally the best introduction anybody's ever given me. I You're hired. You can, you can go on the road with me and introduce me anywhere you want to. <laughs> love it's it. A, it's an honor to be here. Really proud of you doing this work and having these conversations. It's needed, obviously, for men. But I think everybody can benefit from understanding men at a, at a deeper level. Thank you. It's beautiful. And yeah, you have taught me more about what it means to be a masculine man than anyone in my life. So it's just a perfect thing for us to be here today. Amazing. So today we're talking about the inner child. I mention this a lot in my content. It's something that is really important to me. It's been a fundamental pillar of my own healing and my journey, understanding who I am. And I think it relates perfectly to the masculine finding freedom in his own skin. So We hear the phrase, heal the boy and the man will appear. We hear it all the time. So Nick, what does that mean to you? Give us a little background. What do you think of when you hear that? Yeah, we we all have an inner child. We all have a part and multiple parts of us that are still there within that are operating under old experiences, good and bad, the traumas, the memories, the perceptions, the beliefs, and the stories that were created from there. And often when we are trying to create something in our life, um, whether that be change or just, you know, success, there's a part of us that is still stuck in old traumas, old experiences, old perceptions, old relationships to uh, certain environments or situations. And it's absolutely true. If, if you can heal that child, if you can give that version of you, especially for men, acknowledgement and love and nurturing and new perceptions and permission, a lot of the things we're probably missing from a lot of our, our childhood experiences, then who you have always destined to be can start to emerge. And the things that you've always wanted to have can now be allowed to occur and to happen almost naturally in your life because there's not the, the resistances or the, the wounds or the misperceptions about what you are allowed to have or who you have to be. There's the, the associations between who you have to be in order to be accepted or to be loved 
There's the associations between who you have to be and what you have to do in order to, to be safe, maybe to avoid pain or to access certain things. And when we look at the function of behaviors in our current life, so much of it is dictated by what it was for those versions of us, right? So mm-hmm. what, did our, what did our inner child associate with getting love, avoiding pain, accessing something desirable, um, being included, being accepted. And it's different at different levels, right? Because, you know, our, our, our parents and caregivers are the first ones that we need love and acceptance from. And then it starts to become peers. And then it becomes those who we have, you know, uh, friendships with or romantic interests with. And it it's, can jumble a whole lot of things in our inner world that continues to affect us uh, as, as we get older. And so the more we can clean that up, the more we can provide ourselves with what was maybe missing or not nurtured or neglected or even not celebrated, the more we can feel free in our, our current version, our current body, our current circumstances to create the things that we want. <clears throat> and, and I think most, most powerfully to show up as who we were always meant to be. That's such a great intro for everyone. Thank you so much. So yeah, it makes me think of right away, like even though I don't want to be attracted to people or things that don't see me because that was true when I was a kid, it just happens by accident. It's subconscious. Can you give like a bit of an example maybe in your personal life or just something you can share, which can help the men listening? Like what's an example of something that continued to kind of run your life until you really dug in. Yeah. So like as a child, I experienced, you know, we often talk about uh, different types of trauma. They usually tend to fall under like either vulnerability trauma, where it was unsafe for you to be yourself, where it was unsafe for you to be in any sort of vulnerable position. Um, This is often associated with some type of, you know, abuse or mistreatment, assault. Uh, And then there's abandonment trauma. There's the trauma that comes from people not showing up for you in your life, people leaving, people dying, adverse childhood events, whether it was a a, a divorce or anything like that. And I actually had both types of those traumas. One of the the lucky ones to have a little bit of both. I had a a father who is an alcoholic and um, essentially abandoned me when I was young. I was raised by my mom and my grandparents very loving experience from all of them. But even though my dad wasn't much of a presence in my life, it still left that inner child with some wounding that said, you're not enough. You're something wrong with you. There's a reason why he doesn't want you or doesn't prioritize you or can't be there for you. And, And that part of me always reaching for, you know, what I had to do or what I had to be to get people to stick around. Uh, then the vulnerability part, right? It was a, it was an inability to be myself. I grew up in a great family, but in, in a uh, community and schools where I didn't look like the rest of the people. So being me was really unsafe. It got me jumped. It got me beat up. Those two things created scenarios in my life where one, I was always fearful of abandonment and willing to abandon myself in order to keep people around, we actually know that that's not effective and doesn't actually work. There was, you know, the, the, the parts of me that would not let me be myself. And so I wouldn't let myself show up authentically in anything. I didn't even know who I actually was. I just knew who I thought I had to be to get acceptance, to get a love, to get approval, or to avoid scenarios where, you know, pain could be it, it afflicted upon me. So my own journey 
of, of healing a lot of that is, is providing my inner child and those past versions of me with the love and acknowledgement uh, and masculine love and acknowledgement that my dad wasn't there to provide, to reassure parts of me that we are loved and enough and that you know, my dad's decisions had nothing to do with me. They didn't mean anything about my enoughness. They didn't mean anything about anything. It was, it was his shit. And, and then with the vulnerability, it's, it's creating a safe environment for my little self to know that we could be who we really are. And that was not just safe, but actually loved and valued and celebrated. And I've now created a life for myself where abandonment doesn't, the fear of abandonment doesn't dominate my relationships or how I show up in the world. I've created a life for myself where I can be fully and authentically myself. And I think that's one of the things that draws a lot of people to me is I've done so much work around that, that uh, I can be free in being me and not care or be dominated, you know, in in terms of thought and fear about what other people are going to say or, or how they're going to respond to me. So healing those past wounded parts with, you know, awful traumatic experiences and subsequent perceptions has freed me to be who I am. That's not just beneficial to me, uh, as, as your introduction would kind of uh, allude to. Right. It's been really instrumental for me showing up as a husband, as a father, as a coach, as somebody who is a, an influential leader in a lot of different areas. And giving permission through my work and the, the space that I hold, and even just the demonstration of my own freedom for other people to be themselves and to work their process to become free themselves. So powerful. Thank you. Yes. And you know what that makes me think of? I, I feel like a lot of people hear this and consciously they think, well, yeah, it wasn't my fault, right? It was his fault or it was their fault. But the, the work you do is so magically powerful because we've got to remember that our brain is divided into two, conscious and subconscious. Yeah. And the part that felt all of those negative emotions was the, the subconscious. And unfortunately, even though we understand consciously, it wasn't my fault. Our inner child continues to play that out until you dive into processes until you really connect with others, the way that I've been able to connect with you as a mentor, the way that it's imperative for men to realize that it's, it's not just their conscious brain that needs to get this and like move forward. It's, finding ways to continue to nurture this and actually dive into it in a real way and like throwing down money for it, investing in this. I think that's something that's not talked about enough. Can you kind of talk about the importance of really just seeing that healing as just as important as getting a degree or whatever else we spend money on? I mean, it's, it's literally everything because what's in your inner world will continue to create what's in your external world. So you could be throwing money at degrees. You could be throwing money at strategy to run your business. You could be doing all the practical things that mentors have taught you to do. And you could even consciously understand that the things that happened weren't really about you or they didn't mean whatever you know you, you could have made them mean. But there, there's that often missing component about going into that inner child and the subconscious and bringing those parts of you up to date, mm. right? It's an incomplete process of, of self-development and change often to just understand something differently consciously. We then have to take what we know consciously and inform the subconscious parts of us with that. 
It's often where, where people are like, oh, I, I get this. I understand this. But then why am I still sabotaging? Why do I still believe I'm an imposter? Why do I still um, not let myself have good? Why do I still repeat these patterns if I consciously know better? And it's because it's that, that inner child and that subconscious that is actually running so much of what's going on in the background. It's like you have an old operating system on a iPhone 13 or whatever, and, and something is just not matching up. And it's because most people don't do the work to upgrade that, that inner software to the knowing of what you now know consciously. And that requires reparenting, that requires you know, nervous system calming and reprogramming, that, that requires doing some additional both body and subconscious work to get to that point. And if, if somebody's willing to do that work, it, it's, it's literally what can set you up for success in anything and everything. Because if you have a consciousness that is conducive to success and to transformation and to change, then whatever you invest in, whether it's a degree or strategies or support or a blueprint can actually work in the presence of a consciousness that will not allow it to work or that is not updated, those things are, are ineffective. So I'm a little biased in this, obviously, but yeah. I believe it's the most important work that any of us can do is to support and reparent our, our inner child, to bring our nervous system up to a place to be able to, to handle and to receive the things that we are trying to create and, and to reprogram the subconscious for more good and better associations. I love that. That's so perfect. And to me right away, that kind of translates to finding the balance of masculine and feminine mm, yep. within. So it sounds to me like by you owning your worth and deciding you are important enough to just to go there to do this, you're, you're valuable enough to have all the things you want. It was actually kind of a door into the feminine for you. Yeah. Because I mean, the, the feminine's capacity to, to receive and mm -hmm. to allow as long as one's operating from a, a wounded masculine, right? It's going to be hard to put themselves in the energy of receptivity and allowance. And that was one of my big things was I had such an association between love and sacrifice because it's mm -hmm. what I, I watched my, my mom and my grandparents do that I was never going to allow myself to, you know, financially succeed or thrive because here's what it said in my mind. My mind said, if you let yourself succeed or prosper, then you don't have a means of sacrificing. There's no pathway to sacrifice. And so that, that means you can't demonstrate love because love and, and sacrifice were so deeply associated. And as I, I reprogrammed that and showed parts of me and, and, and reparented my inner child to see actually love expressed through thriving and prosperity and abundance and being able to both receive more and then give more is a much higher experience than sacrifice. Mm. It's preferential for you, but it's also a, a preference for the people that you're loving and, and able to provide for. Uh, and I wouldn't be able to provide in the way that I do for my family, for my clients, for people all over the world, if I hadn't healed those parts of me that then allowed me to also receive. And receive money, receive love, yes, but also to receive inspiration and ideas and creativity um, if you're shut off from those things, you're just not receptive. You're always thinking about what logically I can do or what I need to become more of mm. versus letting a lot of the, just the natural good flow, flow through you and flow to you. <laughs> it, it supports creation. It supports your, your financial state. It supports how you show up in, in anything and everything. 
Uh, and we all have both those energies, both the masculine and, and the feminine energies within us. And if either one of them is, you know, we have a, a misperception of them or uh, a resistance to them, it just doesn't work. Totally. Totally. That totally makes sense the way you're talking about this. And it's almost like I hear you say this a lot. Marianne also says this. I know it's like the way the world thinks versus the way God thinks. Can you explain that? Because I think everything you're touching on is essentially trying to get people to shift the paradigm of what they've been taught (laughs) into what's really true. Right. So uh, I'm a student of A Course in Miracles, which is essentially a a handbook on thinking, thinking differently, um, operating from love versus fear operating from what is actually real versus what is illusion-based. And to kind of ground it a little bit, it, it's, it's thinking in a different paradigm than the, the most, most of the world operates in, right? Thinking from uh, the perception that, that reality is what is external and we're just responding to reality versus understanding that we at cause, our energy, our perceptions, our feelings, and of course our actions, are creating what is happening in, in our world and creating our experiences. But of course, the miracle says that, that the, the, the majority of people think 99% of the world is thinking in opposition to how God actually thinks, right? So those of us who see things differently and feel things differently, um, we're actually probably more, more often than not thinking in, in accordance to how God thinks and how love, loving thought would be occurring. And, and so it's a process of, of looking at what we have always thought to be true or always thought to be case and mm-hmm. the case and pulling back some of the layers and seeing actually that that isn't true. That isn't the way that things work. That isn't the way that creation happens. This reality that I think I've been living under are just people's perception based upon their own experiences and trauma. And they think that that's just the way things are, but it's only the way things are because that's what they believe that they are. That's yep. the, the perception of it. So our perception continually creates. Uh, I teach a lot on uh, universal law and principle. And one of the, the most important laws, people are familiar with like law of attraction, but law of correspondence is essentially so within, so without, as above, so below. To, to, to put that into like realistic terms, it means that whatever we are holding in consciousness, whatever we are perceiving is always outpicturing itself and creating in our life. So if I have a victim mentality and I see myself at the effect of things and incapable of creating what I want, then I keep having that mirrored back to me in my conditions and my experiences. If I move into a consciousness that says I'm actually creating or co-creating my life with this divine intelligence and, and presence that we call God, I feel empowered. And I start to see evidence of how I'm actually influencing, not just my, my circumstances, but the experiences that I'm having, the people around me, the things that I'm attracting or not attracting. Uh, and one of my favorite things to, to teach is how to create, how to actually attract the things that you want. And not from like this weird airy fairy, like um, law of attraction. I'm just going to sit on the couch all day and do nothing, mm-hmm. but from how our thoughts and perceptions are creating and attracting. And then how our thoughts and perceptions are either inspiring action or keeping us stuck and stagnant. Um, and when one operates from a really uh, healthy, connected, uh, empowered consciousness, not only do they attract and experience better, but they're in, inspired to take actions that are just more effective, quicker, easier, and more natural. Amazing. You're teaching people how to be the leaders of their lives, how to take yeah, ownership. Absolutely. Yep. And what I found, especially in the 20th century, I know we can, we can see that the paradigm has been lone wolf for men. Mm, yep. 
And that's what the basis of masculinity has been. It's not traditional. Actually, traditional masculinity is indigenous masculinity. It's that connection to spirit, source, mother earth, the inner child. So I'm curious how you have found leadership by connecting with with little Nick and and how that has manifested. Yeah. I mean, referencing back to A Course in Miracles, um, it says that you think you have many problems and you only have one, and that's your sense of separation. Mm. That would mostly be referencing your sense of separation from God and creation, but that includes an idea of separation from one another, right? Mm. So the the paradigm of lone wolf or the paradigm of like, I got to do it on my own. I'm alone and isolated in this world, and I, I have to be just responsible for myself right? It, it, it creates a, a separation and a problematic scenario in basically everything. And, and one of the most healing things that we can ever do is come back to a sense of oneness, a sense of oneness mm-hmm. with, with God and spirit, a sense of oneness with our environment, especially like our, our physical environment and the earth, a sense of oneness with other people. You're right. Masculinity, traditional masculinity, healthy masculinity occurs in community occurs with uh, a, a sense of oneness with all, not a sense of isolation. A sense of isolation tends to drive depression and anxiety and stress. And we see fault and judgment in others versus seeing you know, things lovingly. And, uh, and when we shift those perceptions and we start to lean into community, we start to lean into others, we start to lean into love versus fear or anything else that, that we could see in, in seeing other people, it, it creates a, a healthy sense of our own identity. And then we can show up with presence. We can show up with love. We can show up with care. And, you know, at, at the time that we're filming this, there's a lot of things happening, uh, pretty traumatic and tragic things happening in the world. And those all are deriving from some sense of separation, not caring about the experiences and, and, and conditions of others. And healthy masculinity has a care and condition for oneself, of course, yeah. but a, a care for the wellness and well-being and experiences of others. And the more we return back to that, we, re, we, we move away from a mentality of isolation and it's just about me, it's just about rugged individualism into right. community and care and compassion that informs much different actions, much different policies, much different politics. And a much different way of showing up in the world, which is so much better for everybody. I love that you're touching on this. I think it's an important thing to discuss, especially now in this moment, a couple days after Uvalde. I I think loneliness, it's tragic. And, you know, sometimes we say lonely, oh, I feel lonely. We kind of brush it off as not really a big deal. Mm. But I actually was listening to someone say that the feeling of loneliness is actually the feeling that you're not worthy of love and connection. Mm, Right. It's, It's a very fundamental belief system as opposed to, I just feel lonely today. Maybe I can sleep it off. Right. And that's really important. And I can even speak to, you know, myself, maybe it was like three and a half, maybe four years ago. I remember being in a workshop and they asked us to tell your buddy in the moment, something true that you've been afraid to share. And I said, I feel lonely. And I realized that was that. And the journey of discovery, the journey of coming back to myself was the antidote. And the only way this was possible was through community and inner child work. Mm, And so I find that you always urge me to come back to her, the little girl in me, when I feel those feelings. And I'm just curious, 
how do you do that as, as a man, as a masculine being, when you find those feelings coming up even now, how do you come back to your little inner child? Yeah. I love that you said that too, because I mean, feeling lonely temporarily is like, you know, I have connection normally and just nobody is that there's a, a gap between me and the people that I love or what is normally the conditions. And I'm just, I'm just feeling a little lonely and that like deep pervasive loneliness that, that reflects, uh, um, you know, a deeper sense of like, I'm not, I'm not worthy of love. I don't get to have love. I'm not meant for love. Um, connection isn't something I'm entitled to or destined to. And that that's a really, it's a scary place to be in. It can become, especially for the masculine, a destructive place to be in kind of like we've talked about that this week, how the, the psychology of, of, of mass shooters, right? There's a lot of the loneliness, but also a sense of like, I don't belong. I'm not worthy of love. I don't get to have this. And I'm not significant because of that. And it's not rational to a lot of us, but it's their psyche to seek significance in, you know, horrific events and actions that they they take. So I love that you're talking about that and we're bringing awareness to it because it is part of addressing the root cause of a lot of the evils that we see in the world. So, but back to your question, how do I always come back to and, and connect to that? It has been a process of building a relationship with that inner child, right? Sometimes I ask the question when I'm, I'm feeling some sort of resistance or sadness, or I'm feeling lonely or anything that's not a good feeling mm-hmm. and, and ask, you know, what, what part of me is, is feeling that? How old is he? What is happening? What, what was happening for him? And it's about tuning in and, and connecting to that. Uh, some people will use like a little photo of their, their past self yes. and to connect to that. Others will use meditation me, it's just closing my eyes and going within and seeing that, that version of me and just asking, you know, what are you feeling? What do you need? What can I support you with? What can I help you with? And, and we can even have these amazing experiences where we kind of like, it's kind of like going back in time and getting in the, you know, Doc Brown uh, time machine and going back to these moments that were traumatic and horrific. And I just want to say this for the men out there, something doesn't have to be as severe as like abuse. It can be just not being affirmed, not being celebrated, not being acknowledged. That can be traumatic for those parts of us and something that we continue to operate from as long as it's there. So tuning into those moments, going back into those and giving ourselves a different experience. Sometimes it's like, you know, you can choose an alternate ending. So when this thing happened, uh, rather than making it mean something about me, uh, I, as the parent, go in there and I'm like, Little Nikki, this, this didn't mean anything about you. This is just somebody else's shit. You're amazing. You're incredible. I love you. Let's go play some sports. Let's go get some ice cream. Let's go get some pizza or whatever and provide what maybe your parents or the people around you didn't know to provide you back then. Uh, and this amazing thing happens where we can actually heal outside of time and space where when our inner child feels and perceives things differently and even starts to remember things differently, we, we don't feel as inhibited in the present moment. We can allow goodness into our life. We can show up expecting good things to happen versus projecting that traumatic past experiences onto our present day or onto our future. So it's, it's just about continually connecting with that. It's about you know not disregarding any resistances or sad feelings that I'm having as just like, oh, I'm just gonna push through it, right? That's mm-hmm. what's taught so often to men is like, oh, fuck your feelings, just push through it. But what happens when you ignore or try to bypass a child that is feeling unsafe or feeling unloved? They're going to throw some version of a fit. 
right? They're going to do something to get attention. And that's often the sabotage. Uh, it's often why men become physically ill or tired or stressed or get to a certain point emotionally is because they've, they've tried to push through things and, and just keep going versus actually tuning into what is needed and providing that inner child with the things that, that weren't provided previously. So great. Thank you for sharing all of that. It's, I've done that so many times for sure in the past year, year and a half, going back and replaying situations and, and changing the ending, just, just like you recommended. And I think the thing that's really powerful in what you're saying, it makes me think of tribalism, like especially men are such tribal yeah. people. It's so, so important to be around other men and to, yeah. as boys learn from older men. And I think that's probably one of the big gaps in the West um, is the separation of men and boys. And when you talk about connecting with little Nikki, it's like, that's actually the, the window to finding leadership. I've been watching like the Northmen I just watched and mm -hmm. like all of these epic movies, Braveheart. I mean, all the epic movies, all these heroes that I think are heroes for men, they're all really in tune with their emotions. Right. Otherwise, how yeah. could they do what they do? Right. How do you right. feel about that? Yeah. That, I mean, they're, they're emotionally intelligent because it was demonstrated for them. Yep. Um, those problems that you're talking about in the West, it's, it's a disconnect from feelings and emotions. It's yep. just push through, just, you know, don't go to the, those places of emotions, just keep it surface level, keep it moving. Um, and I believe in keeping it moving, but not by bypassing feelings and emotions, not by bypassing connection. We need to, to prioritize that, that relationship between young boys and, and their fathers or, or, or mentors that yeah, don't yeah. just teach them how to act, but how to be, how to think, how to feel, how to process those things. Mm. Uh, we need a language and a familiarity with emotions because one of the amazing things that I always experience in, in coaching supporting men is they don't know what to call emotions. Mm. Right. And, and, and often like they can identify happiness and anger and nothing in between, right. Nice. Below the anger is actually sadness that, yeah. that continued long enough that it manifested into anger or loneliness or deprivation or any of those things. And so we need a, a reprioritization reprior of community and support and emotions and, and good leaders aren't just those who can, be loud or look tough, they're ones who can actually be vulnerable and who have done their work and can connect with others. Uh, and it's the thing about masculinity too. Masculinity isn't just about, you know, having guns or, or looking macho. Masculinity oh is about a, in a relationship with your own, your own trauma, your own feelings, your own emotions, your ability to hold space for others. You can't hold space for the feminine or other people's experiences if you have never gone there yourself, right? Mm. It, it, you just don't have an access point to be able to do that. Mm. So it's about doing our own work and, and leading from there. And I think through, throughout history, the great leaders are the ones not that had bypassed their, their emotions or experiences, but the ones who actually had gone into them, had the courage to go into them and, and could then hold that space for others. And it's a big reason for the separation too. It's a big reason why people want to isolate and focus on that rugged indiv individualism mm. is because there's no, there's no vulnerability in that. Mm. There's, there's no threat mm. to the parts of us that, that would like to just keep everything at the surface and not go to the place of feeling emotions. And it's not comfortable, but the, the, 
the deprivation that happens is when we cannot feel sadness, mm. when we can't feel despair or anxiety or, or stress or any of those things. We also inhibit our ability to feel all the good, right? right? We, we numb ourselves out from what, what life is meant to be about, which I believe is emotional experience right. of joy and happiness and freedom. You can't get to a place of freedom if, if you're in avoidance of sadness or the things that feel opposite to freedom. You're amazing. That's exactly right. That's the spot on thing. I think I hear men all the time. Every man I talk to, what they want is freedom. They always say that they want freedom yeah. and they want to provide. So it's they want both of these things. But if they're unwilling to, like you said, go into the dark side, the shadow, what's really there, how, how can they find it? Yeah, it's, it's absent. And, and, and they, they try to find it in other things. Mm. They, they find freedom in consuming things that aren't healthy for them, uh, in drugs and alcohol and addictions. And I think that's often the, the key to uh, addiction is a deprivation of freedom and trying yeah. to acquire it and consume it in other ways. Yeah. It's, it's like faux, faux freedom. Yep. Yep. It makes sense. And, and it's, ne it's never enough either. Right. Mm -hmm. And that, that's like the, the source of the addiction is it's never enough to fully satisfy. So there always has to be more mm -hmm. and, you know, nothing's, nothing's really bad in, in, in some moderation, but sure. it's these things in excess because there's a thirst for freedom. Uh, and I always say, as I, as I, I support people in, you know, overcoming addictions and things like that, we have to, we have to replace it with something, right? We can't just remove the substance. There's a function for whatever the form is. And that function is, is accessing freedom or escaping or something in some way. And freedom can look a lot of different ways, right? It can be freedom in terms of like, like an empowered sense of freedom, or it can be just freedom from pain, freedom from stress, freedom from overwhelm. And if we can create and cultivate freedom in a healthy way, mm -hmm. then the need for any of those substances or the things that we become addicted to is obsolete. It's beautiful. Yeah. I think that's great. And what do you think has been maybe for you or some of the men that you speak to, what are some of the most important values or aspects of their life? And like, what, what would make for a solid life before they die? Yeah. Significance. But I, I would say that that become, that's actually healthier. It's healthier to describe it as purpose, mm -hmm. right? Having, having purpose, living your purpose. Uh, we know too, that a man living his purpose is really attractive to the feminine. Um, but having a sense of something that is, is, is driving you. Right. And I define purpose as, the feelings and emotions that you're meant to feel and experience. So that's connected to freedom and joy and happiness. And then what you share with others. So contribution that can look like leadership, that can look like presence, that can look like providing value in some way, but, but purpose, uh, ways to, to cultivate and experience that freedom for yourself, care and compassion when we are connected with and, and doing things for other people versus operating in isolation or only care about our own selves. And we're just happier. We're just more fulfilled. And we prioritize the right values and that guides and directs everything that we do in our life and how we care for ourselves in our relationships, in our business, mm. in our career. It, it just, it leads to a greater sense of happiness and fulfillment. And there's nothing, there's nothing like having impact. And mm. not everyone's going to, not every man is going to be a coach, a leader to have the influence that I have or the other men have. But there's always a way to, to show up for yourself and then to be able to, to show up for others. That's a lot of what is, is, is missing in masculinity right now is, is the ability to take what we have cultivated for ourselves 
and, and provide that for others, whether that be mm. presence, that would be our energy, whether that be, you know, to actually provide and protect, um, which are kind of inherent needs of the masculine. But, but there's so many ways that that can happen and the world benefits from that, right? Because when that's offered, then women, children get to, to, to frolic in the, the freedom that's available there. They get to take that structure and that presence and to be all of them. Mm. And, and, and then you have beauty, we have creativity, you're operating in care and, yep. and consideration for the softer parts of life and not just the hard, yes. not just ambition, not just money, but, yep. but feelings and experiences and love and everything is better from there. You're hitting on something so great. What I've realized is when women... Uh, or the feminine doesn't have that self-worth or that sense of purpose. She just, she fills from an empty cup. Right. But it sounds like when men don't have it, they, there's a level of anger or addiction. It's like, it's a different result and effect. Right. It's yeah. And and it gets projected as Mm. violence. It Mm -hmm. gets projected as resentment. Often the kind of coping mechanism is to go further and further into isolation. Yeah. And we know that, that that's the, that's a, a bad dark hole to go down is, yeah. is isolating more, you know, yeah. when someone wa- wants to heal and needs to heal, leaning into community and other people. And, and so resentment builds, anger builds, violence builds, mm. all the things that are kind of the outpicturing of problems in our society that they derive from that. A man who is, is living his purpose, who is connected to his emotions, who has done his healing work, who is showing up as value, right? Understands his inherent value, but is also providing value in the world is going to be happy. Is going to be fulfilled. Is going to be doing things that not, not, not only uh, consciously, but definitely unconsciously won't be causing harm to others. So beautiful. And he'll attract his exact perfect uh, right. partner. You know, yep. I want to share a funny little story just because it's related I watched the movie 300, like mm-hmm. back before, like in my early twenties. And I remember when he left to go fight, he left his, his wife. I was like, Oh, why didn't he stay? Oh, that sucks. But now as like 32 year old woman, who's done a lot of thinking and growth, I watched it again recently. And I was like, absolutely fully support this man going off and fighting right. this war. Just the shift in understanding around how purpose really is just so powerful yeah. for men. Yeah. It's interesting too. One of the unconscious dynamics between the masculine and the feminine is the feminine will often try to draw the masculine out of the purpose, right? Right, and and, and be like, oh, just stay with me. Don't work on this stuff. Don't yeah. don't go out on your conquest. Right, and it actually doesn't benefit anybody. Anybody. And and if this is one of those like subconscious tests that the feminine is always checking in with the masculine to see, are you safe? Are you on purpose? Are you committed? To, to being and becoming more of what you're here to do? Are you committed to your unfolding? And if they can pull you out of that, then they don't trust you, right? It, it, it feels, like, feels like being set up for such failure. But when men understand that and mm. can resist the urge to give women what they think they want and instead give them what they actually want, mm-hmm. oh, the such- feminine just melts into that and feels so safe and feels so so loved. Um, and that, that's the thing that a lot of men, re, if we can reconnect to our purpose mm. and have a bigger purpose for everything. One, it, it, it's a good anecdote to, antidote to depression and sadness and, and feeling a lack of value or a lack of contribution or a lack of growth. But it also is so damn attractive to the feminine. Everyone is supported by that. 
Oh my God, you are speaking such truth, such a gem. And I think we've made our way kind of full circle to kind of round out this conversation around how the window to that is through the inner child. Yeah, yeah. Because so much of what we didn't get, you know, I'd love to see a, a, a point in our evolution as, as men, but as, as humans where little boys are provided with that, right? And that is, mm. is nurtured, it's uh, celebrated, it, it's developed, but it just hasn't been. And, and that doesn't mean that it can't happen um, still, right? Yeah. We have the capacity through inner child work and nervous system work and reparenting yep. and reprogramming to go back in and literally give our little versions of ourselves all the things that we need. And it's like, like I said, it's, it's like upgrading software. When you go back in and upgrade the software, it upgrades the current version of you mm. and, and how you get to be and show up in the world and what you will let yourself have. You explain that so perfectly, Nick. Thank you so much for your time, your wisdom. Let the people know where they can find you and ac- gain access to your social and where else. Yeah, best, best place to, to connect with me is at Nick Tilia, N-I-C-K-T-I-L-L-I-A on Instagram. Uh, I do very frequent Q&As. I'm super active in stories, love engaging with my audience. Uh, my wife and I, uh, Courtney, we have a, a podcast coming out here really soon. It's going to be called In Bed with the Tilias, where we just talk about all things relationships, masculine and feminine, parenting sex and sexuality, expression, authenticity, all of those things. So look for that wherever you consume your podcast coming up. I love that. And last thing I'll say is women, gentlemen, everyone listening, do yourself a favor and start investigating what inner child work means to you. Yeah. I don't believe that there's more important work that, that we could do um, because it will reveal so much when you have the tools and capacity to, to go there and you have a process for yourself, you can really move through anything, but it starts to reveal it. Life starts to make sense, right? You're like, why do I do this? And you understand the pattern in your inner child and what happened and what that created. And you're like, oh, it, it makes sense. It's a way to demystify who we are and who we want to become. It's a way to demystify success, right? Because if we understand, we can even reverse engineer, right? What would I have, what would have needed to happen in my childhood? for me to feel secure in success or moving forward or creating what I want. And then we can start to go about creating that. And of course it makes you a better parent too, because right, you're reverse engineering and then providing your kids with the things that you didn't have. Very often we're reparenting our children ourselves as we are parenting our children. And that's just such a wonderful healing experience for everyone. I love that. I would say, yeah, instead of buying like 30 new parenting books, invest in inner child work. And I think that'll do wonders. Amazing. It it will inform so much of how you show up in your kids. Uh, And and often it's like realizing (laughs) I just need to do the opposite of what was done for me or what I experienced. And and that would set my kids up for a lot of success. Love it. Nick, again, thank you so much for your time. Such an honor. Love it. My pleasure. My pleasure. And, And like I said, so proud of you for doing this and bringing this conversations forward. Uh, I think there's a lot of men having these discussions, not as much as we need, um, but it's wonderful to hear it from a feminine perspective and to have just your voice and presence contributing to all this. It's so needed. Love it. Thank you. And thanks everybody. Until next time, I'm Anya Shack. 